I'd gone into the hospital room, knew that the lady to whom I was to make the visit had sort of been having a pity party. You've been there before, haven't you? Done that? As we went in, uh, Camille goes over and pulls the lady's hair back from her eyes a little bit. And uh, she's crying because her husband can't be there. He had to go to work. And so she shared some things, and I thought, hmm. I said to her, I said, the church asked for the best-looking man in the church to come by today to visit with you, but he couldn't come, so I've come. (laughs) She sort of snickered a little bit, and then we shared a few other things uh, that were a little less than, than a normal hospital visit. And she began to set up, and she pulled her hair back from her face. And so we, for about 15 minutes, had a, a share time together. She said, I'm so glad you came. She said, it's been so much fun, been able to laugh. What was the difference? Same problems. Same hospital. Same lady. Same people. The only thing different was her attitude. Her attitude. Last week, we talked about... Nehemiah, we talked about making resolutions when the scriptures don't talk about making resolutions. They're all right, but a resolution is sort of a change of mind. We talked about uh, 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 Nehemiah making covenant, covenant with a covenant God, and that's the difference when a covenant is between a person and God, and as a result of that, there's a relationship. And so we find out that covenants stick more than resolutions do. We want to look at Nehemiah today as we... Uh, we continue seeing something about this man. One of the most outstanding things about Nehemiah was his attitude. His attitude. Nehemiah had the attitude of a servant. In the first chapter of Nehemiah, down in verse, uh, let's start with verse 8 of chapter 1 of Nehemiah. We read the whole thing last week, but let's look pick up. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exalted exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cut bare to the king. Nehemiah, an outstanding leader, probably, well, he probably is as as outstanding leader as in the Old Testament. And the thing about it, we we come to the New Testament, Jesus never mentions anything about Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was a, a, an outstanding leader. In fact, he, he came to the point of, of having such trust in the Lord because his idea, his concept of God was that God is unique. God is sovereign. He's totally reliable, utterly holy, uh, compassionately merciful, uh, un, uh, powerful, in, uh, gracious, intimately near, completely trust. So out of that, he, Nehemiah came to realize the God to whom he was serving the one that he called himself the servant. And so as we look this morning, I want us to, to deal with the fact of Nehemiah being 
being a servant because I don't know anything, anything that's more important for us today than, than our attitude of servanthood. I would submit unto you the, the greatest attribute to any congregation apart from our relationship with the Lord is our servant attitude. Our servant attitude. I was thinking some the latter part of the week that, that if I am conscious about being your servant and you are conscious about being my servant, then none of us have to be concerned about being served because we're going to be served. And so the day in which we, you and I share, we, we are not really help on, as far as the nation and the world is concerned, we're not really help on being servants. The thing is, is, is getting ahead, doing, you know, being first, being strong, being strong. So as today, uh, I want us to, to, to deal with just in just a few minutes, but I want us to, to think about this thing of, of attitude, attitude. I was reading this week of a, a man who uh, had a friend who was a pilot, and as they had taken off, the friend noticed that his pilot friend kept looking at an instrument just above his head. And he asked him, he said, what is that? He said, an attitude indicator. He thought, I've heard of altitude. He said, are you sure? He said, yes, that's an attitude indicator. He said, the position of the aircraft, that attitude, it lets us know the position of the aircraft in relation to the horizon. When, when you're climbing, the nose of that craft is pointing above the horizon. And that attitude indicator indicates where the nose of the plane is above the horizon. And if it's diving, it is below the horizon. A nose dive attitude. He said... The attitude indicator of the plane tells us of the performance. He said, in order to change the attitude, or change the attitude, in order to change the performance, raise the attitude high, it climbs. Drop the attitude low, and it drops. As I was reading this, I thought, is it not... The thing that our attitude changes our performance. You see, that's probably what it is. The most important thing that a husband deals with, a wife, children, church, whatever. The attitude, the attitude of the individual or the congregation makes a difference in their performance. I thank God for, for churches that have nice buildings and maybe those who are planning to build nice buildings. Well, I tell you what, nice buildings won't change the congregation. It won't cause people to come. Good music, I will. I love good music. But I tell you what, you can have the best music in the world, but if the attitude is wrong, if it's in a nosedive, people are not going to go be around. So I submit to you that, that if we're going to be the kind of people God wants us to be, if he wants us to grow individually and collectively, we're going to have to work on our attitude. Have you ever heard anybody say, my attitude, sorry, I, just want, I need to work on it some. 
No, but I've, I've said a few times, I know some people who've got a bad attitude and they need to work on it. But, you know, none of us ever arrive as far as our, as far as our, as our attitude is concerned. I um, have uh, enjoyed reading over the years from, from, from Chuck Swindoll. And he has a book concerning the attitude. And, he, I, and I made a copy of this. I've, had several, I've given several thousand of them away, I guess. If you want a copy, I'll leave them on the back uh, so that you can pick up one next Sunday. Chuck Swindoll says, Attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, more important than past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude. We would embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in certain ways. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is to play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Wow. The thing that's that important, and we have an opportunity of changing it. We never arrive. I have this on my wall, and I usually put it up everywhere I go, whether we make a move. I keep it close to me to realize my attitude. Because I can come before you, and I can preach the most doctrinal sound message. I can preach to you one that's flowery, but I tell you, if I have a bad attitude, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. I was reading this week about a man who owned a service station years ago down south. And uh, the fellow had come by to get some gas, and that's back when the, the, uh, the attendant would come out and put the gas in for you and wipe the windshield and all this. It rained that day, and that fellow tried, the owner tried to do his, be as cordial as he possibly could, make things as nice for that traveler as he could. And so the traveler said, I wonder, what in the world's, why, why is this guy doing this? And so he said he had to go in the house, in the house, in the store, he had to go to the bathroom. He noticed on the front door were these words, why customers quit? It said, 1% die. 3% move away. 5% find other friendships. 9% the competition pricing pulls them away. 14% are dissatisfied with the product. 68% leave because the attitude of the employee. You've been in places before. The food was good. Service is terrible. You'd say, not going back there anymore. Well, you might go back and say, maybe I can find a, a, a different person. But you see, even in our meals, the attitude, the attitude makes all the difference in the world. I want to look at Nehemiah as uh, we uh, will look at him as this servant had the attitude. First of all, Nehemiah did not focus on himself. Here he is, a man got it made. He's a cupbearer to King Arxerxes. He uh, probably, we'd call him pretty close to a prime minister because this guy 
he, he, he has to be knowledgeable because he's going to be talking to the king. He has to be trustworthy. He must be a good-looking guy. He's got it made. He's got it made. Did he focus on what he, what he had? I'm sure he was grateful. But thing that concerned him, what is happening to my people back at home? He could not, he could not have things well for himself and not be well for others. So Nehemiah, he ceased. He did not focus just on himself. Back in the early 70s, I had a chance to go into the school. Pastor Carrie Winston-Salem and spent six weeks. Uh, I, had, I came home on the weekends and drove up. And it was in school of pastoral care, and I came across a term that I never heard before. They were talking about it. They said it's narcissistic personality disorder. Brother Claude, you've probably heard of that one, haven't you? We, we all have, I guess. But maybe you don't know what narcissistic personality disorder. It is a, it is a fictitious man, Narcissus, uh, in mythology. He, uh, he saw his face in the water. And he, he saw how, oh, how handsome he was. In fact, he fell in love with himself so much, nobody else could give him any competition. And so from then on, his world centered around Narcissus. His world centered around him, himself. And so his, there, there are people in our world whose world revolves around them. Nehemiah was not one of those. Nehemiah was selfless, secure, and submissive. He was one who thought of others. But also, Nehemiah, he cared for the hurting. Look verse 4, he said, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. As we shared last week, whatever we laugh at and whatever we weep over says an awful lot about our character. What have you wept over lately? What have we wept over lately? What is our nation doing? What are we doing about uh, our nation? Are, are we weeping? Are we weeping? Are we weeping? He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seeds shall doubtless return again, bringing the sheaves with them. There's something about a broken heart. Something about a broken heart. Nehemiah, he had the servant spirit because he saw what was important. He knew that people was the most important thing about the whole issue. Yes, the wall needed to be built, but he didn't weep over the wall. He wept over the people and that the name of the Lord was being degraded. And so Nehemiah, the servant, the servant. A servant spirit is one who refers to himself as a servant. Over and over, we we see in verse 6, verse 10, verse 11, three times in verse 11, that he said he was a, a servant. He was a servant. But also Nehemiah, having this servant spirit, he knew where his strength was. Look at verse 5. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenants of love with those who love him and obey his commands. How he talked about the Lord. An awesome God. An awesome God. One who, who, who keeps his covenant. A covenant of love. This covenant of love. He knew that his strength lay there, and over and over and over, we find uh, Nehemiah praying. He prays as, as uh, the, the days go by and as, as situations arise. He goes to, before the Lord each time in prayer because he knows where his source is. And oftentimes, uh, we as God's people, we can move along in servanthood and things go well, but often we have a tendency, we have a tendency of sort of backing off and not spending time with our Lord. I remember as a younger man, I uh, 
my prayer was, Lord, I, I, want, I want my faith to grow. I want to grow in my faith. And I came to realize the past, just what I shared with you, we began our worship. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I came to realize, as I spent more time in, in the Word of God, I came to realize that God, He is an awesome God. He is an awesome, awesome God. And the more time I spent with the Lord, as I shared with some folks before, uh, God became as real as peanut butter and, and potatoes, which is pretty uh, uh, popular around our home. I didn't have a lot of folks discipling me, but I did have somebody who pointed me to the Scriptures. And it was amazing. It was amazing. I, I look back on it, and I thank God for those years of, of growth, which I, I can attribute only to someone pointing me to the Scriptures. And I submit to you, and I encourage you, uh, is God's Word as real to you as it used to be? Is there that hungering and thirst after righteousness? Is there the poor in spirit? As the scriptures in the Sermon on the Mount tell us, poor in spirit. The word of God will change our attitudes. It will cause our attitude to be a positive attitude. Nehemiah was one who knew where his strength lay. He was also, even in the midst of all this, as a servant spirit, he was faithful to the task of being the cupbearer. We find it says, in the month at Nisan and the 20th year of the king Xerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 1. This has been a hundred days. A hundred days has transpired since, since Nehemiah heard about what's happening in Jerusalem. He has, he's been faithful. The, the king didn't even know anything was anything wrong. He, he stayed faithful to the task that, that was before him. Because he, he believed that, that that was honorable. He'd ought to do it. And then what happened? The king said, all right, why are you sad? And then Nehemiah was able to share why he was sad. He also was one who was faithful in, in being a servant. But he was willing to risk his own being. He was willing to risk his own reputation. Had he talked to Oxerxes and, not it be, and he not being welcomed, he could very well have been killed. And we find on later on when the wall is being built, we find that Nehemiah said, let us, let us, let us. And then we discover that during the time of the building, Nehemiah fed 150 people in his own home. So this servant was willing to pay the price, not only for the task, but also for what it might cost him. He led by example. He led by example. He gave God credit. When something took place, when something took place, Dr. Victor Frankl was standing before the glaring lights of the, of the German Gestapo camp. He was stripped of all of his clothes, stripped of his watch, even his ring, and he was questioned. And he said as he stood there, he realized that everything had been taken from him. He said, except one thing. You cannot take away my attitude. And he determined that it would not take away his attitude, his attitude of being a positive attitude. Someone has said, if you keep on saying things are bad, you have a chance of becoming a prophet. It's not a, our position that makes us unhappy but our 
disposition that makes us unhappy. Well, what do we do as individuals and as a church? I want to share three things right quickly. And it, my three things don't take 30 minutes. Take 45. No. <laughs> Realizing that our attitude is so important and, and how, we, how we might be able to share that attitude. I want, you, I want you to make a commitment with me to try the AAA treatment. The AAA treatment. Write it down. AAA, attention. Um, the key to getting along well with others is, not putting, is putting yourself in their place instead of putting them in their place. It's putting yourself in their place rather than putting them in a place. The AAA treatment is attention. We're never too young or never too old to need it. Do you know anybody needs attention? I do. Chelsea, my little, she's uh, seven now, but I remember she was three or four years old. She would come over and she'd do all these tricks, jumping around, and then she'd, she'd want me to dance with her. I'd get on my knees. It's hard to dance on my knees. I can dance standing up. But, but she would do something, you know, some little silly thing, and she'd say, clap, Papa. I'd clap. Attention. Our world is starving for attention, for attention. I need it. You need it. And it's something we can give away. How many times have you gone into one of these fast food restaurants and look and see the person is, is, is about to lose their mind. If you ever made a statement, you know, been pretty hard today, hasn't it? Or, uh, I want to bless you. I'm going to give I'm going to give you a tip. Have, have you ever been, have you been in chance of tipping fast food places? Boy, they are surprised to death when you do that. Attention. Giving Attention. My mom lost her dad, her dad, her father, her husband, my dad, when she was 50. Mom was really discouraged. Mother had never written a check before. <clears throat> she couldn't drive. She didn't even go grocery shopping. My dad did all that. Uh, he would come home from work and stop by the grocery store and bring it home. And so when my dad died, mom was, she was just devastated. I was close enough around that I taught mom how to drive. And uh, she had finally learned how to write a check. Uh, and things began to go pretty well, but still she was so discouraged. One day she was listening to WBRM. That's the radio station in Marion. It stands for We Broad a Wonderful Blue Ridge Mountains. But when we grew up, we called it, it said We Broadcast Rotten Music. But yeah, <laughs> the, the pastor was, was teaching, uh, sharing about grief. And he was saying that how that one of the ways you overcome grief is that you start giving yourself away. And he started sharing it. And mom heard that. And so she heard about a need for, for uh, someone to take um, food into homes of people who could not get out. Well, I, it was about several weeks before I was able to see mom. And I went up and I had a mother who was transformed. I said, Mom, what's happened? She said, I want to tell you something. And she began to tell me about taking her little old Ford Pinto and going off in the country and doing all this and doing all that. And she got so excited, and she ended up volunteering to be the nursery worker at her church where she was a member. And, and Mom just became so full of herself. Wow, she started giving herself away. She started giving herself away. She started giving attention. And she found out when she gave attention, she got attention. What did that passage say? 
he that seeks to save his life shall lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it. Shall find it. I affirm, I share it with you. Give folks attention. Attention. Then affirmation. Let them know they're special. Let them know they're special. Some time ago, I pastored in High Point, North Carolina. And I uh, was going, to the, I would go to the hospital pretty regularly to visit. And one of the worst things that ever happened, they put a Krispy Kreme donut shop right in front of the hospital. They knew preachers would be going there. <laughs> and so about every time I did, now this is before I met Camille, this is years ago, I wouldn't do this now. Uh, I went in one morning and I, I had my coffee and donuts and, and a postman was sitting beside of me. And I uh, said, good morning. He said, morning. I thought, hmm. I thought, I'm going to work on this guy. I said, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, do you have a route or do you drive a train? He said, I got a route down here. I said, are there any senior adults on that route? Yeah, there's some senior adults on that route. I said, did they ever meet you at the door when you go down and come to the door? He said, well, yeah. He said, I can see them standing in the window looking out about the curtains so that when I come in, so they can. T-. I said, what do they do? He said, they talk to me. I said, wow, isn't that wonderful? You probably are the only person they see all week, and you're there, and they get to talk to you. Some human being gives them some attention. And I said, you have such a wonderful opportunity. Don't, you must feel pretty good about yourself. Is to be able to, you know, these senior adults who see nobody, some of them's family's gone, but they get to see you. They look forward to your coming. And I said, that is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. He said, I guess it is. We sat and talked for a few more minutes, and, and when he got up, he went out the door whistling. Now, it didn't cost me a thing, but I tell you what, I believe it made a difference in his life. I don't say that to say, look who I am. I'm, what I'm saying is, it takes so little. And a wonderful thing between uh, uh, a church being a, a, a dynamic on fire church is, is that, we, that we pay attention to people, that we affirm them, that we affirm them. And then there's attention, affirmation, and appreciation. Appreciation. It doesn't cost anything but it can be worth everything. It doesn't cost anything, but it can be worth everything. Some people never have a word of appreciation. Never had a word of appreciation. I've tried over the years to try to be faithful in writing notes. I'm not as active in it now as I have been in the past, but in my pastorate in, in Kannapolis, North Carolina, the Lord laid on my heart to write every church person, every member, every person who attended our church is to write them a Christmas letter longhand I started in November and I had my directory and all the names and I, I tried to think about something special and I and I would I sent them all at the same time and folks expressed appreciation I went back about 10 years later for for homecoming and I ate in the home of one of these senior adults and the lady said pastor I want to show you something she went and right handily she pulled out that letter 
She said, I've never forgotten that letter. I've never forgotten that letter. It took a little time. She said, you gave me something that you can never get back. You gave me about 10 or 15 minutes of your life. And I want you to know it's made a difference in my life. This year, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we as a congregation would practice the AAA treatment, attention, affirmation, appreciation? It'll cause a different attitude in people's lives. I was reading a pastor who encouraged his church to write every Thanksgiving words of appreciation. And this lady decided that she would um, she would write her mom. They had been estranged for several years. And so she sat down and she wrote her mom. She said, Dear Mom, thank you for taking time to raise me. Thank you for supporting me all this time. I just want you to know I do appreciate it. She sent the letter. Several days later, the phone rang. Her mom called her. And her mother was weeping. And she said, you'll never know how much that letter meant to me. And she said, and she was not a believer, she said, but I understand. And I said, if Christianity, if Christ could make that kind of difference in my daughter's life, I want it. And she had a chance of seeing her mom come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. Who knows? Who knows what God can use when we have a positive attitude? Nehemiah had a wonderful Lord. We've got a wonderful Lord. And so I submit to you today the thing that you can make a difference in your life, and that is your attitude. Work on it. Work on it. Give yourself away. Give yourself away. But I tell you, something more important than attitude, only one other thing that I know more important than attitude, that is a relationship with Christ Jesus. Because he comes to give new life when we trust him as Savior, Lord. Perhaps this morning, one of you is here today and you've never said, Lord, I want you in my life. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Save me. Maybe as a Christian this morning, you need to say, maybe where you stand or maybe here at the altar say, I'm going to be one who who practices the AAA treatment. I can't do an awful lot, but I can make a difference. I can make a difference. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Thank you for men like Nehemiah. Thank you for the privilege of being able to to read about his life and how he's a layman, but he's one who loves you and, and who listened when you called. I thank you, Father, for his attitude as a servant. And I pray, Lord, that we as an individual and we as a church would never get beyond our servant attitude. There's a world that needs to be served. There's plenty of room for service because not a lot of folks want to be one. And yet, Father, we know that oftentimes our servanthood is tested by how people treat us as a servant. So I pray, Lord, that we'd not be affected, but that we would do what we need to do. I pray that whatever decision needs to be made today, Father, uh, 
is each one of us sit and as I stand, I know what I need to be doing. I know what I need to be doing. I pray that you'd lead me to follow through on that which you've talked to me about. And so may your Holy Spirit uh, move us as we need to be moved. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand.